Oh, just a classic. Classic song for the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, Sports 1440 in the Capital Region. Uh, pleased to welcome in our 10 o'clock guest, uh, Pete Doherty from the uh, Green Bay Gazette as we've got Thursday night football at Lambeau Field tonight. Packers and Lions uh, morning or I guess afternoon for you there. Uh, uh, Pete, uh, how are things uh, going in Lambeau land? Uh, pretty good. How are you guys today? Just great. Thanks for joining with us. Uh, so uh, Thursday night football, both the Lions and Packers 2-1 and one coming in. Uh, I all in points indicate that uh, that the Packers will have uh, their star running back uh, back tonight in Aaron Jones. Is that correct? Yeah, it sounds like both him and uh, Christian Watson, who's their um, most talented, most dangerous receiver. Both of those guys had hamstring injuries, and they've uh, Watson hasn't played yet this year, I don't think, and uh, Jones missed the last two games. But they're both expected to play. Sounds like. You know, they'll be each will be on a pitch count, so mm-hmm. it's not like they're going to be back to playing full time. But um, having those guys back changes the offense because it, uh, you know, it just they both have such big play capability and it changes the way defenses uh, have to defend them. Sure does, as we're joined by Pete Doherty, Green Bay Gazette. Um, how would you assess the play of quarterback Jordan Love so far this season, Pete? You know, pretty decent. Um, it's. It, it's kind of how he was in camp. You know, each week he was a little better. Uh, he was never bad. And, you know, it, there were some moments where, you know, he really had some moments where he looked good. And he hasn't been turning the ball over. He didn't do it in camp. He's only got one interception this season, and that was last week on a third down where, you know, it was 43 yards downfield, so it was good as a punt. Um, he's just been pretty good. And, you know, he didn't he didn't play that well on just last Sunday against the Saints and they didn't you know they had a lot of penalty issues and drops too but they so they didn't score until the fourth quarter but you know quarterbacks are paid to to win games and he led the comeback and I don't know if I'm I'm sure the Packers uh, you know over at 1265 Lombardi at the football office is there I'm sure there was a bounce in everybody's step this week I've got to think they're they're feeling pretty decent about this guy's chances i mean it's a long way from here to there to being a good player being a good quarterback it's a hard position but Mm -hmm. um they've got to be feeling pretty good about the early returns i would think yeah you mentioned the penalties uh has discipline been a a big big concern in the early going so far you know it was all it was you know pre-snap stuff that it was everything i guess there were there were there were a couple holding calls um you know, it hasn't been penalties have not been an issue in Lafleur's previous four years. Uh, so some of it might have to do with just how young they are. I mean, they're finishing that game the other day. There's, you know, with Bakhtiari not playing. I mean, they're only had a couple guys with four years experience, and everybody, almost everybody else, was uh, you know rookie or second year guys. So they are a young team, and they're just going to have to grow up, uh, grow up really fast. Pete Doherty, Green Bay Gazette, is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440, um, Detroit Lions, Green Bay Packers, Thursday night football. Um, you know, there's pretty good chance there. I mean, I think I think a lot of Packer fans are probably thinking that Green Bay could be 3-0 and right now. Uh, tough loss in, to Atlanta in week number two, but having said that, to come back against uh, New Orleans, uh, early bye, right? Uh, sixth week is the bye for the Packers, so, I mean... What do you think of them kind of going in the bye? They could have a good chance of being 4-1 and one of the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in week uh, number five, but I think this is a pretty good start for Green Bay. 
Yeah, now this will be obviously a really tough game. I mean, Detroit's, you know, living up to the offseason. You know, they closed last season so strongly, and they seem it doesn't seem to be a fluke. Um, it's just so hard to predict. Like, we have to pick the games each week, and me and my colleagues, and it's, you just feel like you're stabbing in the dark because there's so many unknowns. There's going to be huge ups and downs. When you have a first-year starting quarterback – that alone, you're going to have big ups and downs. And then you look at how young their receiving core is. All their tight ends and receivers, their their top two tight ends and all their receivers are uh, rookie and, and second-year guys. There's just going to be – it's inevitable there's going to be ups and downs yeah. and there's going to be bad stretches. I mean, Aaron Rodgers lost, um, I think back, I think it was either five or six straight down the stretch his first year as a starter in 08. Then he won his last game and he finished 6-10. and 10, So – you know, it's just I, I think it's going to be really up and down. Maybe I'll be wrong, and maybe they'll uh, they'll just keep uh, playing pretty solid, and um, you know they'll be maybe they'll finish ten and seven. But mm-hmm. uh, I just I still think there's going to be some really rough stretches to come up, and who knows when they're going to hit. Uh, Pete Doherty, Green Bay Gazette, is with us on Sports fourteen forty. Um, you, you just mentioned um, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, has that kind of is it all in the past now? People are saying, you know, we had two of the best going for many, many years, and Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and now we're just turning the page on to Jordan Love. Is that the the mentality in Green Bay? Yeah, the the sense I've gotten from if you're talking about from a fan perspective, I think. Uh, a lot of fans, a high percentage of fans, were ready to move on. You know, Rodgers wasn't an everyman like Favre was, and so I think people had trouble identifying it with him. And then, you know, with the way things went last year and with his, you know, asking for a trade a couple of years ago and all that, I think he just he lost a lot of fans. I think a lot of people were ready to move on. There's The vibe around the team is is different. You can feel it in camp, and you can feel it now. There's uh, There's just a freshness and a newness now. You lose a bunch of games, and that doesn't, won't count for much. But um, it, there is just a, a different feel, a fresh start, a little. It's just a lighter atmosphere, you know. I think Rodgers was kind of moody, and that, that might have filtered through to the locker room. Uh, so it's it, it, it is a really different vibe, and you know, you know how week to week this league is. So right now things are great because they came back and won last week, but that could change fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's touch on the defense. It's been, you know, kind of exciting to watch. Uh, I mean, uh, Rashawn Gary was great uh, last week. Um, what has kind of uh, opened your eyes or what's caught your attention on defense for the for the Packers? You know, mostly him. You know, there was, the thinking was last year they were going to be really good. They have like, you know, this is before this last draft. Last year they had, I think, seven or eight first round, former first round picks uh, on their defense. And you know, it sure looked like in a camp they looked pretty good when the Saints came and practiced here a, a year ago, August. Uh, it looked like they were going to be a good defense, you know, a top 10 defense in points, and uh, they weren't. They were like they were right in the middle of the pack, and they just were not very good. So, you know, in my mind, they're still guilty till proven innocent, and they've been okay. You know, they, they only gave up 10 points. Uh, the Saints scored on a punt return for a touchdown last week, you know, but Carr got hurt early in the third quarter, so they're facing Jameis Winston for the last four or five possessions. Um, Gary is their best guy, and he's coming off an ACL, and it's surprising that he's playing this well this early, and he's due for a contract extension. And I was wondering whether it would be late in the year because they'd want to see how the knee is doing and make sure he's okay. But he's played so well so quickly 
I wouldn't be surprised if they get something done with him in the next uh, in the next few weeks. Mm, yeah, big piece of the puzzle for sure is uh, Pete Doherty, Green Bay Gazette, joins us on Sports 1440. Uh, as for the game plan goes for Detroit uh, tonight, looks like David Montgomery is going to play for the Lions. I, I think originally it was kind of thought that he'd be out a little bit longer, but it looks like he'll be uh, going to play tonight. Uh, with Jamar Gibbs at, at running back, it offers the Lions a pretty good one-two punch. Uh, how do the Packers game plan for that? Yeah, I just saw this morning that another one of their starting linemen is not going to be playing. So that's three mm-hmm. of their top six linemen are out. So that should, you know, that could take a little of a bite out of their offense. Um, you know, the the big thing is the Packers problem going back for, you know, years is stopping the run. And Atlanta ran all over them. And I'm sure the Lions are going to try to do the same. And so a lot of this will come down to whether the Packers can stop the run without having to, you know, go to a lot of seven, eight-man boxes to do it. Because if they end up doing that, then, you know, Goff and his receiving core, they're good enough where they'll make them, you know, pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think a lot of this will come down to whether the Packers can, can deal with the run and keep it from killing them without uh, devoting too many resources to it. I would think that's a huge part of the of the Packers game plan is figuring out how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking on the show yesterday that uh, this game is going to feature probably two of the most up and coming tight ends, uh, young tight ends that uh, with bright futures, uh, Luke Musgrave and and then uh, uh, Sam Laporta. What do you make of that uh, kind of dynamic tonight? Yeah, um, Lafleur, you know that offense and Lafleur in particular. They really like to have the tight end be a prominent part of the offense, and the Packers just haven't had a good tight end. You know, Jared Cook was pretty good around 2016, um, but they only had him for a couple of years, and he was getting near the end of his career. Jermichael Finley was pretty talented in the, around 2009, uh, but he got hurt, and that ended his career. They just haven't had a lot of talent at tight end, and it shows the priority they, they want to put on that position because they drafted Musgrave in the second round. And they drafted uh, another guy, another tight end in the third round. And, you know, it's uh, Musgrave is clearly going to be a big part of the offense. I thought a sign that really showed that. They had a fourth and two in the first play of the fourth quarter last week, and they were down 17, so they went for it. And the play they called was for the tight end. Now, they ended up throwing it elsewhere because they had a really favorable matchup. But the fact that LaFleur was dialing up a play where the first option, you know, the, the guy they wanted to go to, was the tight end was a rookie tight end that tells you uh, what they think of the, of Luke Musgrave. Mm-hmm. Uh, where are the Packers at with uh, offensive lineman David Bakhtiari? How long is he going to be out for? Do you think? Oh, there's yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, it's totally week to week, and it, but it's a really bad sign. I mean, he hardly practiced at all during camp. Mm. He didn't practice at all the last three weeks. Didn't play in the preseason games either. Didn't practice the week of the openers. Plays mm-hmm. and then he couldn't couldn't play the next week. Um, and he didn't play last week either, and now he's out for for this game. So this yeah. is going to be um, three games in a row that he's missed. It's just a, a really bad sign. The guy playing for him, uh, Walker, is um, you know he's he's looking pretty decent. And if he keeps playing, now the competition is going to get tougher. They're going to go against Hutchinson tonight. Yeah. Um, but if he keeps holding up like he has through the first um, you know the last couple games. At some point, maybe sooner rather than later, the Packers just might say they're going to roll with him because he'll be their left tackle of the future, and they'll put Bakhtiari on IR. Now, Walker's got uh, Rashid Walker's got to show it on the field mm-hmm. first, um, but he's at least partway there. So I'll be uh, 
curious to see how he plays tonight. I think the Lions move Hutchinson around, so mm-hmm. you know I don't know that he'll be facing him every snap, but I would think he'll be up against him. Uh, at least part of uh, the game tonight. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson's, uh, you know, there's a reason that, uh, you know, he was a a number one draft pick. So is he basically the the main key for that offensive line? Would they, would the Packers be able to move guys in and out as as Hutchinson kind of moves around the D-line as well? Well, they'll, I'm sure what they'll, they'll just identify where he is Mm -hmm. and they'll slide protections that way whenever possible or they'll have the running back chip that way. You know, whenever possible, or the tight end. Um, but he is really good. He, you know, he was the dominant player in the game last. The Lions beat the Packers in the last game of the season. Pack if the Packers won, they'd have gone to the playoffs. And Hutchinson was the best guy on the field that day. And you know, I, I watched their opener against Kansas City, and he looked really good that game. Now I'm not sure how he's played since then, but uh, it sure looked to me like uh, he was a really good player last year and a better one so far this year. Uh, one last one for Pete Doherty. Green Bay uh, Gazette uh, joins us on Sports 1440. With Christian Watson coming back, Jaden Reed had a pretty good game last week. Uh, had uh, 63 yards in receiving, I believe. Uh, where does that, uh, uh, you know, there's only so many balls to go around and so many positions at wide out. Uh, where, where do you see that kind of shaking down with Watson coming back and Reed showing quite well as a rookie? Yeah, Reed will still get his targets. I mean, he's going to play a lot. He's their slot guy. And he and Dobbs will be, I'm guessing, will be more volume guys than Watson. And Watson is more of a, you know, stretch the field, take a couple deep shots with him, and then, you know, maybe try to hit some crossing routes and have him catch and run um, because he's their most dynamic guy and he's a really huge target, you know, at 6'5 plus. Um, but I, Reed's going to play a lot, and he will still get his share of targets, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, thanks so much for doing this, Pete. Really appreciate your uh, time. Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, we'll be reading your uh, coverage of the Packers as the season progresses. Okay, thanks for having me. That's Pete Doherty, Green Bay Gazette. Uh, the Duke of Delburn, what do you got for this game? I believe it's a one-and-a-half-point uh, spread Packers favored by a point and a half. Do you like you like the Packers? I like the Lions. What do you like? I, I think I like the Lions as well as uh, okay. a Jameer Gibbs fantasy owner in one of my leagues. <laughs> you don't, I'm a little, I'm you a little don't con- care about anything except for your. That's fat. not true yes, at is. all. I care about some of the bets I make yes. as well. But uh, and that's kind of the. I mean, we've talked about this extensively. Like when your favorite teams are bad, mm-hmm. you you need other ways to be invested in watching it because I I love watching football, whether it be college games on Saturday, the NFL on Sunday. So the the fact that I can find a way to be invested emotionally uh, and right. then you know in turn a little financially as well, uh, it just puts some skin in the game. And and of course I'm going to be at the Canadian Brewhouse Lewis Estates location tonight, hosting Thursday night football there, and that's always a great time. So. Uh, the, the fact that the line is close, that should make for an exciting game. Probably a lot of people that are watching will, like me, have a little skin in the game, and, and it should make for a great atmosphere. But, yeah, I like the Lions. Um, they're such a fun team to watch uh, under Coach Dan Campbell, and the the Packers are going to be hard-pressed to uh, contain that electric offense. Over-under is 46. Are you, I assume, you never go the under, do you? Life is too short to bet uh, the under, Kevin. I hate that line. If, I uh, hate it. If, um, if I don't like the over, I just won't. I just won't bet that the the total in the game because betting the under is like what Jason Greger says I this all the that, time. You know. Why would I be che- cheering for no points? And well, so then, like cheering for the over 
when when you get teams down in the red zone and they throw a red zone interception or a red zone fumble, it just crushes you. Okay. Well, how about you bring up that same argument tomorrow morning with Eddie Steele, 7 to 9 in the studio, and Eddie will say, well, don't you like seeing a good defensive play? Don't you like seeing a sack, turnover on downs, maybe a, a fourth and one at the, call it the 40-yard line, and the defense stands? That Those plays I am in favor of, once again, depending on where I'm actually on the, uh, like what team I'm on maybe. Um, or let's say I do have somebody on that team's offense on my fantasy team and I want the drive to keep going to get a few more yards, a few more touches, whatever. Th- that's the beautiful thing about not having a favorite team mm-hmm. that's worth rooting for. The Texans, you know, they are what they are at this point. They might be a little, uh, they might be spunky and, and kind of give teams some good games, but I, I can just kind of basically cheer for whatever suits me that given day. And I know Eddie's a big defensive guy. I, I'm happy to chat about it with them. We'll see how this game goes tonight. But yeah, I, I love seeing points, deep shots, big receptions, uh, guys getting in open space and making tacklers miss. That's what I like. Do I love seeing a big hit? They all get penalized now, of course, even when they're clean. But that's mm-hmm. a that's a discussion for another day in itself. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of football, a little bit of Jays. Uh, coming up, we will uh, check in with Oilers forward James Hamblin. Uh, as I spoke with uh, James yesterday, um, neat story between James, uh, Stuart Skinner, and Tyler Benson, last year, Southside Athletic Club. We'll touch on that in the interview uh, when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 1020 uh, in the Capital Region, looking for a high of about 17 today. It's getting a little cooler as we uh, kind of approach October. Excuse me. You want to clean up a couple of texts coming in from uh, uh, our little chat with Ladislav Schmid. one 1440 If you want to talk uh, Blue Jays baseball, we're going to touch on Jays here with the Duke of Delborn. Uh, an interesting day in baseball history regarding Ted Williams. And we're going to touch on that uh, a little bit later as well. Uh, Victor chimes in and says, Dutch tradition is better, laddie. Uh, Hagelslag. Butter on the bread, then chocolate sprinkles on top. Uh, we were talking a little bit of food with uh, Laddie. IMAX says he loves goulash, uh, boys. Uh, and we were kind of chatting about driving around. Well, Laddie was talking about driving to Calgary uh, because Frank Cervelli was uh, on his way to Calgary. Uh, Janice says, I grew up on the farm, so the drive to Saskatchewan is so beautiful, especially in the fall. I agree with you, Jana. I agree, being from uh, Saskatchewan as well. A couple of Oiler notes as the Oilers get ready for practice this morning, 1130. Um... St. Albert Kevin says, can Connor McDavid score 60 goals and rack up 170 points? Uh, well, we addressed that this morning with uh, Taylor Haas from DK Pittsburgh Sports because uh, that question was asked to Penguins captain Sidney Crosby, and he kind of replied uh, he wouldn't put it past the Oilers captain. Um, interesting. Uh, Nogi sends in a text. Uh Wake up, Nogi. Uh, you guys know there's a Ryder Cup this weekend. Enough NFL. Well, Nogi, and I know who Nogi is. Nogi, you missed the whole segment. The whole segment, but Nogi can catch this later. Duke, how does he get it? Yeah, I just sent a text to Nogi with the link, and if anybody else uh, wants it, I'll be happy to send it to you. Just shoot us a text. You can go back and listen to 
every hour of every yep. show here on Sports 1440 in podcast form. They're all up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon Pods, Google, you name it. So um, I, I have a link where it kind of lists them all out in one spot. And if you want to uh, get that link, just shoot me a text, one 401 Happy to pass along and you go back and listen to the great, uh, great banter back and forth between Keith Stewart and Laddie Schmid. Uh, what a fun dynamic that oh, was with Laddie. Because uh, Laddie, self-admittedly, is not a golf guy. But as soon as you, and I think this is the basis of the Ryder Cup in its entirety, getting the juices going on that rivalry and national pride and pride for your, not your own country, but your uh, continental brethren, right? Um, which Laddie expressed uh, very, oh. very um, passionately that he doesn't even like golf, but now all of a sudden he is rooting mm-hmm. so hard for Team Europe this weekend. Uh, him and Keith were great going back and it, forth. It really was a, a great conversation. And so Nogi, you can pick that up. And I'm pretty sure this is the Nogi that I might know. If not, maybe. Maybe it's a, a new Nogi. We love the Nogis. Uh, but yeah, it was Keith Stewart from SI Golf Sporting News. I also read the line. And as the Duke just said, Laddie, when we were starting the segment, he basically was like, I don't want any part of it. I don't want to talk about golf. I don't want to talk about the Ryder Cup. I want nothing to do with it. And then once he kind of heard Keith um, parlay and relay. Well, parlay is a good word too because he wants to make some bets on it about all the golf uh, bets and this and that and how um, the dynamic between a team and individual golfer and and then Laddie got in it with the egos and everything like that. How individual golfers? How can they come together and how can they be part of a team? And um, great comment by Keith talked about Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson. Couldn't get anyone to partner up with these guys. Couldn't find that success. Uh, there, years ago, and I think someone's going to have to send a text in to remind me. Years ago, there was a big thing uh, just in, in the foursomes alternate shot because I think Phil was using a Nike ball. The partner didn't want to use the Nike ball. So, I mean, it was just little things like that. So th- that's what makes the the Ryder Cup um, so interesting uh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> this Walter guy, he's all over you. He's all over me. Uh First, uh, Walter said, if uh, playing well is actually a requirement for being on the Ryder Cup, like Brooks says, how is it How is it that Justin Thomas was selected? It's a fair point. Uh, then he's on you now. Uh, why would I be cheering for no points? If choosing the under man, I was cheering for no points, he'd be on to something. Uh, and then there's nothing worse in the world than driving in Saskatchewan. Man, he's all, he's all over us, Walter. Uh, thanks for uh, chiming in, Walter. Uh, Nogi is that he's thankful that you sent him that text. Uh, Zad says, good morning, gents. Love the show. And I have to say that Laddie is awesome. He was great as an oiler and he is great in the broadcast booth. Thanks, Zads. We get a lot of comments on Laddie. I mean, he, he, his sense of humor, his, uh, perspective on things. And again, I was, you're never really worried about a segment or anything like that, but when, when he kind of looked at the lineup and, and the Duke sent him the lineup last night, I could just see, okay, well, we got Zach Daly, McEwen, Griffin's hockey. Well, in, in Laddie's mind, he's going, this is no problem. I have this. I got this. No problem. Then he's looking, Keith Stewart, SI Golf, Sporting News. And Laddie's going, what the heck do I want to be part of this for? Don't want to talk to this guy. Don't want to have, any, have anything to do with golf. But there you go. In about two minutes, Laddie was converted. Uh, Cat Dad with a text into one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Ah, the drive between Calgary and Medicine Hat is one of the most boring. Uh, <laughs> he's not a fan of Brooks either. Uh, text uh, send him in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Blue Jays Duke last night uh, lost a, a game where 
They knew they were going to be facing, as we talked to Shai Davidi uh, yesterday, the eventual Cy Young winner in uh, Garrett Cole, uh, having a fabulous season. I, that was win number 15 last night for Cole. The thing and I was mentioning to actually at Jack Michaels yesterday down at the rink, the Jays let one get away on Tuesday. That was the game they had to win in the series. Kevin Gosman comes out, throws seven great innings uh, or whatever it was, pitched fabulously. The, the Jays end up losing at it in the ninth, uh, two nothing on the Austin Wells, two-run two home run. Uh, so here's the situation now. They look at game number two in the series. Man, Coles dominated us. Uh, it, was, it was, you know... Jose Barrios threw well early in the game and, you know, he just couldn't sustain it. But now you got to go into this game today to try to salvage. You can't be swept by the Yankees at Rogers. Can you? You can't, but can it happen? Duke, no, can't, can it? If you'd asked me two days ago, I would have said no chance. And, and it's, this is just the epitome of this Blue Jays season. And as a fan of it, how we felt all year, as soon as you think, that things are looking up and looking a little more rosy, it's turned on its head. At the start of this week, we were thinking, man, the Blue Jays are so comfortable heading into these final six games. All they got to do is go 500, and it's virtually a lock to make the playoffs. Well, starting 0-2, sure, against the worst of the two teams you're playing, is not a very good way to to approach that. And now game three here against the Yankees, um, it's, I don't want to say it's a must win because it's not. The, the the schedule of the teams chasing them is, is is in the Jays' favor, but man, like you said, that first game, uh, Gosman pitching as well as he did against. I mean, Michael King has been good this season since uh, kind of taking on the yep. starters' role, but that's a guy that you'd hope you could get after with your experienced lineup. Last night, Aaron Judge, of course, tees off a couple. That's just what Aaron Judge does mm-hmm. against the Blue Jays. Garrett Cole was great, and uh, Brandon Belt back in the Jays' lineup, the only player providing any sort of spark, a couple hits for the team. It's I, I gave up watching it, and I think it was in about the sixth or seventh <laughs> inning because I could, you know, you see the writing on the wall, the score is already what it is. This team just frustrates me to no end, and uh, I'd like to say that this is them working out the final few kinks and getting a nice cold streak before then turning the corner for another good streak as the playoffs start, but I can't even say that with confidence mm-hmm. because this team has been so unpredictable, and there's no rhyme or reason to anything that happens to them uh, in the batter's box. So Chris Bassett goes tonight. Um, Weaver goes for the Yankees. When you look at the American League wildcard race, um, again, we, we and getting back to last night, two points. Um, Brandon Belt kind of called out the Blue Jays fans for not being loud enough. And then he rips a double down the right field line. And that was just awesome to see. And the fans applauded. It was great. We talked about it. Two days ago, why are you even pitching to Aaron Judge? Why? It makes absolutely no sense. Like, he has to be in the conversation of when, you know, don't let this guy hurt you. Don't, I mean, Shohei Otani and things like, do not, why? Just stop pitching to him. No one else on the Yankees does anything. They stink. Glaber Torres has had an okay year. He's had 25 home runs. Uh, they brought brought up all these young guys between Wells and Florial and and Pereira, um, Cabrera. You know he hasn't found his way yet after being called up last year. You know that you have Garrett Cole on the hill. Why on earth would you even think about pitching to Judge in any situation? Let these other guys beat you. Dumb. Um, text coming in. Uh, Kevin, who are you picking in the Ryder Cup? 
You know what? I'm going to go with, I'm going to side with Laddie. I'm going to go, we're going to go Europe. Even though uh, uh, Keith Stewart uh, from Read the Line, he said um, that basically it would be a cakewalk for the Americans in this. He's betting the house on on the United States. Um, I am going to go with Europe. Home, home, uh, home field advantage, uh, home course advantage. Uh, I'm going to go with them. Uh, here we go. Uh, what do we got? Uh, Walters, he's just pounding it out. Jay's inability to hit elite pitching will be their downfall. Um, there you go. Uh, guys on the road, nearly at Calgary. They need intelligent sports commentary in Calgary, and your signal is loud and clear. Wish your signal worked as well in Edmonton. Again, Duke, we, we have ways to get around that. We're working on a lot of things as well. Uh, but it's neat that the guy can hear us all the way down to Calgary. Yeah, I've, I've, of course, experienced that myself going down to uh, back home outside mm-hmm. of Red Deer. Uh, signal's great as you head down the highway. And yes, in the city, because of uh, interference and just the nature of AM radio, it is going to be a little spotty at times. But there's a really easy workaround you can just download, whether it be the, the Stingray app, iHeartRadio, uh, Radio Player Canada, TuneIn. There, there's a million of them. You can even just actually say to your phone, like, Siri, play Sports 1440, and it will uh, take you right where you need to go. So uh, there, there's ways around it if your signal on the AM dial isn't coming in great, but glad to hear it is uh, mm-hmm. serving this texture well down uh, in the south part of the province. And, and let's be honest, 1260 was no scream in hell either. You drive down you know, Jasper Ave, you couldn't hear it either. So uh, Yeah, uh, downtown, once you get into the middle of the city, yeah. the buildings and stuff, that's it's just the nature, and I'm not going to get into the, the technical side yeah. of you know AM radio waves and things, but yeah, it, it's, it's going to have its um, spots where it's not great. Uh, Frank Sarah Volley tweeting out the tour rolls on. He's in Calgary to visit the Flames. Uh, looks like they are in a practice facility. Um, I wonder if Frank got a sponsor for that tour, like you know, um, Eastside Mario's, something like that. You know. Well, I was thinking uh, when you were talking with him earlier, and I believe Tyler Ramchuk was uh, his chauffeur for that ordeal over from Oilers Nation. Don't quote me on that. I, Frank had kind of <laughs> mentioned it as I got him on the phone. But uh, I'm surprised Tyler, a, a veteran of this province, that he didn't uh, stop off at the donut mill in Red Deer on Gasoline Alley <laughs> oh, with Frank. To, that's that, dirty. that would have been a great sponsor for the trip uh, down the QE2, I think. That's the a, donut mill, Red oh. Deer AB. You've been there, I guess? Well, since I'm from there, it's not like as big yeah. of an attraction, but like whether it was for 4-8 show weekend or you're having like a farm tour type thing, yeah, you rip in, you go to the donut mill, you grab mm-hmm. a couple boxes and it's great. They're terrific. You guys talking Peter's driving. The Peter's driving in Red Deer is actually pretty um, a pretty big step down from the original in Calgary. That's like, that's the only one I will go to. In Calgary. In Calgary. The what about the one here? On- Haven't been. I, it just doesn't feel right. There are certain things that shouldn't be chained out. I like the mm-hmm. original. You know, I've been at the Peters Drive-In here in Edmonton because it was right across the street from Global. And, you know, in a, in a hot summer day, I'm kind of a sucker for the black licorice milkshake. Black licorice milkshake at Peters Drive-In. My dad would be a sucker for that too. He loves black licorice, uh, the candies, uh, the licorice kids. He loves them. <laughs> I, I think you and I both just looked at this text at the same time uh, from Sam Aram and Ding Dong. Increase your wattage. Yeah, sure, Sam. Let me just uh, walk back into the room and turn, <laughs> turn the dial. On the button. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's as simple process. as it is. It's a process, though. Uh, oh yeah, and I think always. Again, with our coverage starting up uh, on October 1st uh, with Fox Sports coming on board, we are almost a 24-hour sports station, uh, everything except for 6 to 9 p.m. Um, that's something, uh, again, a process that's in the works. But, I mean, we've been on the air here less than a month, and look at 
the leaps and bounds and things that we've that have happened. AM radio. Um, I think the people are just ecstatic that we're back uh, and that we're having the ability to have these great conversations with all our guests. Um, it's it's an interesting dynamic, and we're doing everything to make this product as best and as good as it can be. Uh, and I think every every sports fan uh, basically is going to be really happy with the the product moving uh, forward. Uh, one more break, I guess. We got a little... Uh, unfortunately, we have to just say, uh, we couldn't get the James Hamlin uh, interview downloaded. Uh, we'll work on that. It's kind of a timeless interview. I think maybe we'll see what we can do on that. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we, we never we can't get that. So I know the Hamlin family was listening, but uh, we'll try to work on that with James and head down to the rink here maybe this afternoon. Maybe we can do it again. Who knows? Uh, still more to come on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. And the Duke's getting his uh, country jive in. Uh, I, I should know that one, Duke. What is it again? That's, uh, uh, that's our good friends at Shenandoah. Shenandoah. Uh, I was going to say Shenandoah, man. With the tr- and that one's a, a special favorite of mine. Like Cumberland huh? Road, Cumberland yes. Hall is actually the like local community hall in my neck of the woods, like the rural part of outside Delburn okay. um, out in the country there. So, uh, I mean, Cumberland and, of course, uh, I think that's a pretty popular name for count, rural counties and stuff, especially throughout the southern United States. But yeah, that one uh, hits a little closer to home. So, and I lo- I've well documented already in our couple weeks on air. Love Shenandoah. Yeah, you so. do, yes. I uh, ran into Tim Ellis. Uh, he's a Stingray employee with the CFCW and the sister station, yada, yada. Does Camrose Kodiak's play by play, too. So he wanted to find out more about that. The news conference yesterday with what was going on with uh, PBR and it was with the Oilers. He wasn't sure where it was, but uh, it was funny. They wouldn't let him into the building kind of thing at Rogers, but he was probably the only real rodeo reporter that was there to cover it. So he was kind of going, well, like no, there's no one else here. Like, so how do I not get in and get through? So uh, it was uh, fun to talk to old Tim Ellis, an old friend that's in the Stingray uh, family. Here's a cool stat from what happened in the sporting world on this date in 1941. And we threw this uh, at you, yes, two days ago, I guess it was, with uh, Ben Johnson in the 1988 uh, Olympics. This one goes back a long way, 1941, um, because baseball fans, they are addicted to stats. They love, there's more stats in baseball, obviously, than any other sport, and Baseball aficionados, guys that love the game, they can uh, bring up a stat from 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and, and whatever it is. And you, ask Low Tide. He, he's, he's, a, he's a walking encyclopedia when it comes to this. He, he's going to love this. Today in 1941, Ted Williams um, could have sat out a doubleheader for the Boston Red Sox. His batting average going into the final day of the regular season was... 3995. So it would have rounded up to 400. He would have been, you know, batting 400. So the Red Sox played a doubleheader that day. Ted Williams goes, eh, I don't think I'm going to be sitting this one out. Uh, Williams decided to play the first game of the doubleheader, obviously. And <laughs> he, he ended up hitting, uh, what did he go for? He went four for five in the first game. So in the first game, goes four for five, raises his average. To 404. Could have sat out the second game. Nah, decides to play the second game. Goes two for three. Finished the season with an average of 406. Last time that we've seen that happen. Um, not since 1941 has anyone 
completed the season in Major League Baseball with an average of uh, 400 or higher. You know, it was funny. This year, uh, Luis Arias was sniffing around. He was at about 380, 390 for Miami. And, you know, people were kind of whispering in it, but it, it's just not going to happen with a guy like that. I, I don't know if it can ever happen again. There's been guys so close over the years, guys like George Brett and Tony Gwynn that have been there. Um, but uh, 1941, and I mean, Ted Williams, if you think about it, if he didn't take, what, two, three years off to serve in World War II, I mean, you're looking at probably a top three guy statistically. I don't know. If you add up, add on another, I don't know, 150 homers, if whatever it is. Uh, in 41, it was the best season, they say, of his career. Batted 406. He had um, 37 home runs total, 120 runs batted in. So maybe the home runs are, were lower, a little bit lower than, than some of the great seasons for sure. Um, but his on-base percentage was 553. 553. Um, that's, that stood for 60 years. Um, amazing, amazing uh, career. Uh, so now I just found this now. So despite missing nearly five complete seasons for military service, Williams' career spanned 19 seasons with the Boston Red Sox. Career hitter, 344. 521 home runs, 521 home runs. So let's just say, I don't know, I mean, 160 more. I mean, he's closing in on 700, isn't he? Um, his career 482 on base percentage remains the higher of any highest of any player in history. The splendid splinter, Ted Williams. Um, this comes in from Justin. Um, boys. Ted Williams, kids, see you at 12 feet, what we can see you at 8 feet. Not man, not really sure what that means. Uh, imitation Tom, black licorice honestly should be abolished. In a world with so many good things, there's no reason to tolerate something as gross as black licorice. Have you ever had a black licorice milkshake, Duke? Not a not a black licorice milkshake, but uh, growing up, uh, once again going back to part mm-hmm. of it being my dad, like he loved tiger ice cream. Yeah. So the orange with the black licorice. Tiger, stripes, tiger, yeah. Yeah. And he would give it to me, and it it just repulsed me. What? And then, like I said, he would his favorite thing. Like this is what we, as my sisters and I, would get dad for Christmas every year. It's a case of Pepsi, big thing of salt and vinegar chips. Um, Along with, of course, uh, whatever else, but and then a tub as big as you could get from the dollar store or whatever of licorice kids, the black licorice candies, and like that is <laughs> yeah. that's made my dad the happiest guy in the world. His favorite things, um, and I just and he knew that they would all be for himself because no one else in the household could mm-hmm. even sniff the things. Really, we all despised it. Okay, you got to try a black licorice milkshake from Peter's Drive-In. You know it's what's something the black licorice favorite that I do tolerate? Zambuca. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? Light it on fire yes. right in your mouth and uh, oh, put it down. Yeah, I might have one of those today. I'm gonna go find a <laughs> just a bottle of Zambuca. It's got to be one in the bottom shelf somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I that's love, where it belongs yeah. on the bottom. I didn't shelf. mind black. Yeah, Zambuca was good. I didn't mind that. I'm, I got a hot, that was a specialty shot at uh, my. My local pub at the the Garno Pub uh, since closed, unfortunately, but uh, that was my go-to spot during my time at the U of A, the Garno Pub, and the old uh, owners there, Jimmy Harrison Spiro, they loved pouring out Zambuca for the boys when we rolled in. 
I have a like a hunk a hankering for like the sambuca right now. You know, we have a fridge here at the uh, Stingray Studios. There's a kind of a bar set up and everything. I mean, we might have to look at that. Uh, Victor sends in this. Uh, baseball is incredible for that reason. Hit 30%, you are a great hitter. Managed to hit 40% of the time, and you are a baseball god. Up there with meteorologists. Get paid ridiculous money for being wrong more than you're right. I agree with that last part for sure. <laughs> A lot of meteorologist friends, Claire Martin, the first one. Um, since Williams hit 406 in 1941, Rod Carew hit 388 in 77, George Brett 390, we talked about him in 1980, Tony Gwynn 394 in 1994. Um, no one even close, really, in the last whatever we talked about, Luis, or I, I, I mean, I just don't know if it's possible anymore with the bullpen situation. You're you're basically playing. You're you're facing as a hitter probably three three different pitchers a game minimum. It seems now minimum, uh, unless you're the Blue Jays last night and you're just facing Garrett Cole because he's just dominated you. Uh, but very interesting. Uh, black licorice, especially that of the salted variety, are gifts from the heavens. Uh, uh, Walter back on our side, or at least your side now, after Walter. scathing us. Yes, that was, I couldn't see who it was from. Yeah, Walter's just been, he's been honest today, but that's fine. We love it. Uh, Framer Johnny, if Davis Schneider would have sat out after the first month, uh, he would have done it. Uh, yeah, Sam- sample size. Yes. I mean, you, you, you can't play a month and yeah, then uh, call it 400. hitting 400 for the season. But mm-hmm. I see where you're coming from, Framer Johnny. Cool. He added some yeah. uh, some ha-has on the end of that one, mm-hmm. of course. But yeah, David Schneider, very impressive what he's done. Um, would love to see it, yeah, over the course of a full season. But I once again, like you said, I just don't think it's realistic in today's baseball. I mean, the hitters that are out there right now in the game... Um, I mean, could Ronald Acuna Jr., and there's another thing we never talked about. So Acuna Jr. stole the 70th base, uh, so he did crack 40-70, never been done. 40-40 was insane years ago, guys like Jose Canseco and things like that. Uh, 40-70, Ronald Acuna Jr. hitting 335 ballpark. He would have to change a lot with uh, his swing dynamic, his approach at the plate. He would have to change... Um, maybe say, uh, you know, maybe I might sacrifice a little bit more uh, power, home runs, um, be more of a singles hitter. I mean, look at the guys that, you know, that, that were up there. You know, Rod Carew, you know, slapped it to the opposite field. Tony Gwynn slapped it to the opposite field. Um, they were, you know, Ichiro, you know, was never up at, at that 380 level or anything like that. Those are the guys, you, you got to be able to beat the base hits out. You got to be able to, you know, to kind of tap one into the hole. Um, there's a, what's the old, the, the, that old movie, um, uh, Bull Durham. You, have you watched that one, Duke? That is one hey, I've seen, yes. Yeah, Duke that's that's a great film. Yeah. I love Bill Durham. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bull Durham, pardon me. Um, you know, what's he saying? He's uh, kind of trying to explain his career to, uh, and he's in that pool hall with uh, one of the good ball players in the minor leagues, but he's trying to explain to Nuke Lelouch, uh, to Nuke Lelouch, you know what the difference between a major league and a ba- uh, major league hitter and a minor league hitter is? It's a can of corn. It's one dying quail. It's one flare to left. It's a, it's a hit that goes through, you know, one hit a week. 
it, it, it goes, you go from a, a 250 hitter to a, a 300 hitter. That's the difference between uh, how fine of a line it is. Um, <laughs> tomato soup. He's been kind of a contributor here. Black licorice is one of the things that mankind should be thankful for. It really is God's gift to all humans and should be enshrined as the world's best candy. Um, Father Sarducci, Sarducci comes in. Remember uh, Guido Sarducci from uh, Saturday Night Live? No, that's way... That might predate me. That's I'm, way... I, I was a huge SNL guy for a lot yeah. of years, kind of through the mid to late 2000s there, but I think that one precedes me. Uh, he wants a Zambuca Paralyzer. Uh, I'm going to find Zambuca today. Paralyzers are a drink that it seems every single person has their own variation of it about what liquor to put in it that makes it the best. This is the first I've ever heard Zambuca, oh. but like a cherry whiskey Paralyzer, spiced rum Paralyzer, all these different things. Like everybody says their version is the best. I'm not a huge, like I love milk. I yeah. drink it by the gallon, of course, uh, given my wow, background, yeah. that comes pretty natural. <laughs> But I'm not a big paralyzer guy, so who knows? Maybe this is the one. I'll have to give it a try. In your day at the farm, did you ever drink unpasteurized milk? Yes, all and, the time. And? Uh, I, I love it. It it can wreak havoc on uh, some other, some untrained digestive systems. But for myself, like, we didn't drink it growing up. That was my grandma's uh, rule when the my oldest sisters were born, the first grandkids mm-hmm. on the farm at the homestead, was... Uh, we're no, we're not drinking milk out of the tank anymore. The grandkids are drinking pasteurized milk, even though her children had drank it their entire lives. Uh, I'm sure her and all her siblings had drank it their entire lives, but this was her new, new rule. Uh, but it's always fun to, you know, go down, sneak a jar out of the tank. And uh, she used it for baking still when we were growing up, but we weren't allowed to drink it straight. So wreaking havoc with the system, what does that mean? Like, it, like much like um, lactose intolerant okay. people, they can drink milk, but it just does not treat them very well. Um, and they might need to make some unscheduled trips to the restroom. Okay. What what would be... Are we talking like whole milk here? Oh yeah. Okay. Straight out of the tank. Or like we talking like you know ten percent cream or what? Or what are we looking at? More here? than that. That's I, what you're drinking. Like the, that's what you're having for a glass. Like you're just not not all the time, right? Okay. But I like it as a, like a treat. It's like okay. an ice cream bar. You just go down and get and because right out of the tank, like your fridge at home. Yeah. I don't know. Some people have different settings, but like it's chilling stuff at what like thirty eight uh, degrees yeah. or whatever type yeah. thing. It was right out of the tank in the the bulk tank in the barn. It's that's coming out of like two and a half degrees Celsius. Okay, that's what it's chilled at before the truck come and picks comes to pick it up. That it's so cold, so rich, yeah. so good. Would you ever chug down a nice tall glass of skim milk? No, <laughs> skim milk is basically blasphemy to me. Like that um, is just the most ridiculous thing that's ever been created. Skim, like to quote Ron Swanson, that is just water that's lying about being milk. Um. Our neighbor, Olga, who's 90, coming up 90, uh, when we mentioned to her that about skim milk, and she goes, skim milk? That's what we used to feed the pigs. <laughs> oh, there it is. Skim milk is water. Guy, imitation Tom, just right on. Uh, Walter, and that's another one with Kevin Costner in the movie. One ground ball with eyes. Dying quail. Um, interesting. Interesting. Uh, very cool. Well, we had another great show uh, today. want to thank everybody for uh, coming on. Uh, Taylor Haas from DK Pittsburgh Sports uh, started things off, talked to 
A little bit of Pittsburgh Penguins was interesting. Talk about uh, Sidney Crosby and how the, the dynamic of the Penguins is getting a little bit older. Uh, by the way, Oilers take to the ice at 11.30 for uh, two sessions uh, simultaneously at uh, uh, Downtown Community Arena and uh, then at Rogers Place. We'll have some sound from some players coming up today at 2 o'clock on the uh, Jason Greger Show. Uh, Ladislav Schmid, oh man, he brought it again today, our co-host at uh, 8 to 10 every Thursday. Uh, Mark Spector for Booster Juice uh, on the mark at 8 o'clock. Uh, daily face-off and the headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter, Frank Saravelli Dow in Calgary as the Tour of Frank continues in Western Canada. Good to catch up with Zach Daly, former Alberta Golden Bear and now the head coach of the McEwen Griffins men's hockey team as they get things underway uh, tonight in Calgary and then home tomorrow to uh, the Dinos. Keith Stewart, energetic back and forth conversation with Ladislav Schmid from SI Golf Sporting News and Read the Line as uh, the Ryder Cup gets underway. Teams announced very interesting pairings uh, heading into uh, the alternate shot format. And then Pete Doherty uh, from the Green Bay Gazette setting up uh, tonight's uh, a uh, huge Thursday night game in the NFC North Division between the uh, Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. At the top of the hour, it'll be Fantasy Frenzy with the Duke and... Former Rochef T-Bird. Connor Halley coming up at uh, noon. Low down with low tide. That'll take you to 2 o'clock. And then at 2, it's a Jason Greger show all the way home till 6. Uh, say, thanks so much for listening today on the Kevin Carey Show in the morning. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow bright and early with 7 o'clock uh, co-host uh, on Fridays, uh, Fast Eddie Steele. Uh, join us then. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening today. And keep her between the ditches.